Man, it is, it's good to be together. It's good to worship together. Uh, one, uh, one more announcement. There are those books on the table as you're walking in. Uh, we're going to, in the month of August, read this book together. So it's an incredible book. It's like 23 chapters, and each chapter is like six, seven pages. And so it should be kind of that like summer read if you're like sitting by a pool or something. Incredible book about the heart of God. So it's like before God says anything, uh, before, like if it was just like, hey, tell me about like, like Kevin. Tell me about Kevin. And I could be like, well, he's a pilot. He's this, he's this, he's this. And that's kind of like you're telling me what he does. But it's like, no, tell me about like, who he is, you know, and then I could start talking about deeper things. And so what this book is, is just looking at the Bible and saying, who is our God? What is he like? And how does he interact with us? And so uh, the publisher has given us a hundred free copies. So uh, I'd love for there to be none uh, at the end of the today. And then a good book that you can read together with coworkers or spouse. And then we'll be preaching, like, don't bring the book back. We aren't like discarding the Bible and preaching from that book. Uh, bring your Bible next week. You can leave that book at home. But then we'll preach through the book of August on, or through the month of August, not the book of August, through the month of August, we'll preach on uh, basically the general direction of the book from Scripture. And so I, I think it should be a, a soul-stirring, beautiful time to learn more about our God and how He interacts with us. So uh, if BJ and Zach wanted to come up, uh, this is your cue. BJ, come on up, man. Um, okay, so we have a unusually awesome thing going on this morning. And that is that we're going to have uh, these two brothers share their testimonies. Now, one thing that we've seen as we've preached through the book of John, good to have you here, man. This is good. Uh, one thing that we've seen as we've preached through the book of John, and we, we look at the way that Jesus thinks of us and the way that Jesus even calls us into things, is a lot of times he's not like, so BJ, like, come up with like this amazing, like, treatise and share with us like you're a manifesto or something. He does, instead, he says, be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. And what that means is to like observe what he's doing in here and observe what he's doing around us. And just as we would like tell friends about what happened in, in a sporting event in our community, we would say, hey, can I tell you what he's doing in my life, okay? So these guys are going to share about Jesus and what the real Jesus, not this like religious um, playing at church type thing, but the, the real man, what is happening in their lives as they give their life to him. And then what I want though is like, and what our prayer this morning has been is sometimes when you hear Jesus working in someone's life, where each of us can go with that is to shame and be like, oh, well, I guess I'm like not that good. Or I, I guess like he, Jesus is doing incredible things in their life, but I couldn't share that story right now. So I guess I'm just going to like crawl out of here. Um, man, we were praying this morning that that would not happen. That instead, as you're hearing what Jesus is doing in their life, you're opening yourself up to what would it look like for Jesus to work that powerfully in my life? 
and what would it look like for him not to be like them because they don't want you to be like them, <laughs> and, but they want you to be you following Jesus as they are them following Jesus, and that is Jesus on the move in our communities. So, so uh, you know, would we open ourselves up to him as you guys share? And I'm, I'm so excited for this. So, BJ, shares. Yes. Zach, feel free to stay up here, man. He's going to talk for like five seconds. <laughs> oh, you need this. Okay. I'm learning. I'm, I'm new at this. First day. Yeah, first day. First day. Tilt you up a little bit. Okay. No, never mind. That thing's staying. Yeah, I think that's a good height for you. Is that good? Yeah, you're good. All right. First off, I'd like to say it's an absolute honor to be up here this morning to glorify our awesome Lord and King Jesus. Before I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, one of the biggest battles I was dealing with was an internal battle in my heart, a battle I never won alone. I was filling the empty hole in my heart with alcohol. This not only failed every time, it also riddled me with guilt. So I was also destroying myself mentally. Mm. Long story short, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was baptized here at Sacred Mission Church. And Jesus began his works in me. I prayed one night a couple months ago. I asked the Lord to come into my heart and soul and help me fill the hole in my heart with peace and more love for others. That was 58 days ago. And I've been sober for 56 of these. Yeah. Amen, brother. We can do nothing. Defeat is just part of life. Walking with Jesus, we can not only defeat the enemy, the Lord allows us to obtain true peace in our hearts and souls. Mm. And His grace is endless. Man. The greatest feeling I've ever felt. Glory be to God. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm so honored and thankful to be part of his family. Yeah, that's right. I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> Way too much coffee. Thank you all for being patient. Wow. Might get an ER out back. I don't know. Praying a while back to the Lord brought one word to my mind, choices. Actually, the Lord brought this to my mind. I'm sorry. Choices are so simple, yet so hard and can affect your life in so many ways. The greatest choice I ever made was to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Life still has tough spots, though walking with the Lord, I've found so much more peace in everything if I just ask the Lord to show me. Thank you. Go ahead, Zach. Amen. Okay. I'll raise this up on you just a little bit. Uh, 
wow, I know this guy. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with him doing things in our past life, and I know the power that's in what he just said. I mean, and I, I was thinking that a lot of you guys that know me, for you don't, for you that don't know me, my name's Zach Murphy. For those who do know me, you could be probably thinking the same thing I was thinking, like this guy's up here sharing his testimony in church, and I just want to tell you that if God can use a donkey, he can use me. You know, I mean, my, my story's a lot similar to his, but a lot different. I mean, I, I grew up here in, in between Maxwell and Collins, back and forth, and for I was just a wild kid had nothing to do with bad parenting or anything like that. I, I just, they tried to teach me right and, and do right by me, but I wouldn't listen to them. I was in trouble any way I could be all my life in school, terrorizing the school, terrorizing just anywhere I went. I just had this uh, drive to, to do bad and, and, and do evil. I started doing drugs at an early age to just fit in somewhere and uh, be a part of something. I started uh, smoking marijuana at 13. By 16, I was drinking every night, doing meth. Uh, you know, it, it, just, it just went on and I just kept on. And by the time I was 18 years old, I went to prison for the first time for a year for stealing a car and I, I, I got out within three months I was back again for manufacturing meth and I did four years as I was getting out my dad who never was a big part of my life but he had made some attempts uh, he invited me out to come be a part of him and his family and and uh, his company and I accepted the invitation and I went out to Florida I started working for him and traveling all around the country and other countries installing static control floors and while I was out traveling I went to Oklahoma to do a job and I'd been out of prison about 10 months and my addiction was stronger than it ever was I mean I I was just completely bound by the addiction of methamphetamines. And when I went to Oklahoma to do that job, I ended up getting high on the job site. I got into an argument with a coworker who happened to be my uncle. Uh, I walked off of the job. I started partying there. I, I missed my plane. I, I got arrested. My uncle called the cops on me uh, because I was going to beat him up. He called the cops on me. I got arrested. I ended up missing my plane back to Florida. My dad bought me another plane ticket back to Florida. I missed that one. He bought me another plane ticket back to Florida, and I missed that one. Then I put a guilt trip on him and told him, you haven't even known me my whole life. And, and, you're, and you're telling me that you've done enough for me? Guilted him into buying another ticket for me, and I missed that one too. Because 
looking back now, I see that there was something that needed to take place in Oklahoma. And uh, I ended up going to prison there for robbery and assault. While I was incarcerated, I started a riot in the jail and ended up catching uh, uh, the, a mattress on fire. And they gave me another 10 years and another 15 year sentence. So now I'm 23, 24 years old and I'm, and I'm looking and I'm saying, you know, I'm not getting out of here until I'm almost 40 years old. And I'm talking about, it was the epitome of hopelessness. I felt no hope. I, I felt just like so stranded. I, I didn't know anybody in Oklahoma. You know, any of my family was over a thousand miles away and I just felt so alone. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a crazy feeling. So about two years into my incarceration, my dad comes and visits me and he tells me, he says, son, I turned my life over to Jesus. He said, y you know, you got to do the same. Everything's just so good for me now. And I was like, I, I got, I got 15 years to do in here. You know, you are, you know, everything's going good for you, but I'm living in hell. And I rejected it, and I rejected Christ. And, and for years, for seven years straight, my dad wrote me letters, letter after letter after letter, telling me about Jesus. And I got to the point, I was so bitter that I was just throwing these letters away. I wasn't even reading them. My, cell mar my cellmates would look at me like, I can't even get mail from my family and you're just throwing these letters away and I just didn't want to hear anything about Jesus. Well, he started coming and visiting me all the way from Florida to see me for one hour through a glass window. And uh, he was coming and visiting me and he was just trying to tell me about Jesus and I was seeing, you know, but I, I was seeing this different side of him that I had never known but I didn't believe it and I just thought it was another one of his lies, another one of the things he, he's told me about, you know, and, and that he didn't come through on. So I, I wasn't receiving it. Mm -hmm. And I was even using some of these visits to, to smuggle drugs into the prison. And I was jeopardizing him, my three little sisters that he has, my, my stepmom, his company, I was putting that all on the line, just that's how selfish and gone I was and how much I didn't care about any of that. And uh, he, he had got a word from the Lord and told him, go feed, your, go feed my sheep. So he told my, Bimini, my stepmom, he said, put $200 on Zach's books. <laughs> and, uh, that's 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 my my canteen money and uh, so she did it and and God told him again he spoke to him in an audible voice and said no go feed my sheep so it was a, it was the first audible word I think that he had ever received from God and so he tells her get me a plane ticket to Florida or to uh, Oklahoma I'm going to Oklahoma to visit my son so she gets him a plane ticket. Well, af after she gets him the plane ticket, 
uh, I tell him, I said, I got in, I ended up getting in trouble. I got caught uh, having a guard bring me drugs. And I was under investigation and I was in segregation. You can't get a visit of any kind in segregation. So I had my case manager call him and tell him, don't come because you can't see him. But he had got this word from the Lord. And even though she told him specifically, you cannot see him, don't come, he came anyway. And when he got to the front door, they told him, they said, I'm sorry, you, you can't have a visit. He's in segregation. There's, there's, there's no visits for men in segregation. This is, this is like where the turning point started taking in my life because my story is really one of two fathers that wouldn't give up on me. Two encounters in impartations of grace in two men, the old man and the new man. Well, so they said there's no way you can visit him and the only one who could possibly change that decision is the warden. Well, he says, can I have his phone number? They said, well, he's on vacation. He said, can I have his phone number? So they gave it to him. He calls the warden and the warden said, yeah, I know Zach Murphin. He's a good kid, but he's sure doing his time backwards. He just keeps adding time onto his sentence. He says, but since you came all the way from Florida, he said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to go ahead and let you have one hour. He didn't, he didn't know God had touched him. And when, when they came and they said, uh, you got a visit, I was like, what? You can't get a visit. I said, who is it? They said, it's your dad. So this is how bitter and nasty my heart was. I got angry that he came because I wasn't going to be able to smuggle my drugs in because it was going to be through the glass. And I just got angry and I couldn't, I couldn't understand why he kept coming to visit me like that. So this is the first time that I've seen the grace of God in my life. When I went into the visiting room, my dad's sitting down, he's just looking at me with tears in his eyes. And I said, why do you keep coming and visiting me? And he looked at me and for the first time in my life, I felt like he actually meant what he said and he said, because I love you, son. And God told me to go feed my sheep. And right then in that moment, I mean, it just happened like that. God changed my heart. He took that old heart of stone out and he gave me a heart of flesh. He, he gave me uh, uh, something inside and I told my dad, I said, I want what you got. I want what yeah. you got. So my dad led me through a prayer and, and, and I meant what I said and I went back to my cell and I told my cell, cellmate, I said, I turned my life over to Jesus and he just looked at me like, it was weird to hear that coming out of my mouth because I was leading people in the opposite direction. So uh, anyway, I'm going to try to cut a lot out, but they ended up, I ended up getting put after that in a faith and character program at another, at another facility.
And this is when I had my second encounter, my double portion of grace. Uh, and it was really the, 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 the one that put me over the edge in, in overflowing. And uh, Chaplain Arthur Fox, it's another, he's the one who runs this faith and character program. There's a rule, like there was a rule, the, the law, that you can't have a visit when you're in segregation. Well, the law in this program said if you get a write-up or any trouble, you are getting kicked out of it. You can't be a part of it. So, again, I get in trouble because I was still getting high. The, the meth had a hold so powerful on my life that I could not quit it. And uh, I got in trouble for drugs. In a, in, I went into the chaplain's office because I knew that I was going to get kicked out of the program. And it was kind of like one of those things where I'm going to quit before you can fire me. So I went in his office and I said, I'm done with this program. I'm done. I, this ain't for me. I, these guys are weirdos. I mean, I'm not like them. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm done with it. I, this ain't for me. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know what kind of people you've known your whole life, but I'm not one of them. He said, I'm not going to give up on you, and I'm not going to let you give up on yourself. I don't care how many write-ups you get. I'm not letting you out of my program. He said, I see Jesus Christ in you, and I want guys like you here. I mean, I just broke down again. I broke down, and I told him, I said, I'm high right now. I got, an, I got drugs on me. I've got an illegal cell phone in my, in my cell. I've been selling drugs on your pod. And he said, and I said, I've tried. I want to quit so bad. I've tried everything. He said, you ain't tried Jesus. He said, he won't take something from you that you won't give him. You got you to gotta give it to him. And I went to my cell and I, and, I, and I wrote this prayer down because I wanted to always remember how I felt in that moment. And it said, it was a long prayer because I was high on meth, but the, 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 the basis of it was that I didn't want to be a slave to addiction anymore, that I wanted to be freed from the bondage that I was living in, and if you're real, I want you to take this from me because I'm never going to be sick of it on my own. That was on April 20th, 2015. Since that day, I've never smoked a cigarette. I never smoked weed. I never done any kind of drug. He completely took the desire from it, of it from me. And... Uh, it wasn't long before all them men in prison that I was leading in the wrong direction began to follow me in the right direction. And God began to use me in a powerful way to, to lead people yeah. to Christ. Hey, pause for a second so we can just thank the Lord. <laughs> all right, God's good. God yeah. is good. Uh, and they asked me uh, after about a year I'm in the chaplain he just he was pouring out in me my dad's pouring out in me and I'm receiving it now you know and, and it's sticking 
and I'm reading my word about like eight hours a day, every day, going from Bible study to Bible study. I mean, I just wanted to know who he was and who this, who this Jesus was that loved me, the unlovable, the unteachable. And I just became hungry for him in a way that is unexplainable. And it wasn't long before the guys asked me, they said, hey, uh, we want you to share the word of God with us. You know, you, and I said, well, I, I, can't, I'm, I can't even talk to three people at a time without starting to shake. <laughs> and I couldn't. I started shaking. I started sweating. I started stuttering. I couldn't have done it good as he did. I would have been stuttering. I wouldn't have been able to read that. It, but God, God gave me an encouraging word and he told me what I just told you. He said, I used a donkey, Zach. I can use you. He said, you are going to be a vessel for honor. And I want you in this prison while you're here to use this as an opportunity instead of an opposition. So that's what I began to do and I began to teach the word of God and I began to preach and I began to do lead Bible studies and lead men to Christ mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the devil, he wanted to get me out of prison because I'm telling you right now, there's men that, had an, that God had an effect on through me that aren't going to be a bad dad anymore, that aren't going to be a bad son, that aren't going to be a bad brother. They're going to go out there and they're going to be the men who God created them to be. And, and, the, and the thing is, is... I feel like the word that God wanted me to share with you is this. No matter how much you feel like giving up on somebody, don't give up on them. Somebody who seems like they'll never change today could change tomorrow. I'm telling you, it happens so quick. The the transformation happened so quick in my life and so quick in my heart that it showed me that I walked into that visiting room one man and I walked out another man. Mm -hmm. We're, it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives through us. When you accept Christ in your heart, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Yeah. It, there is hope. Don't give up. Yeah. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. And I just want to tell y'all, I, I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me this opportunity to come up here and, sh and share. And uh, it's just been a blessing. I thank you. I thank God. And thank Amen. you. Amen. That's great. Praise Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's real. That's... Oh. Amazing. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to preach a 40-minute message now, um, but because I, I wanted their stories to, to really be crystal clear uh, of what the Lord's doing in uh, both of your lives, and um, many others could be up here and sharing what Jesus is doing on the move in their lives too, and it's because of a reason. So we're just briefly looking at this one verse, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
This was a massive verse uh, in my own life and even looking at, Lord, could you start a church in Collins, Iowa? Could you possibly do a work here? And just the idea of Jesus saying, I will build my church. So who is on the move here? Jesus is on the move here. Like he is not a far away God. If you ask Zach, it's like, is Jesus a billion miles away or is he near? Near. He's near. Like that is what we celebrate at Christmas is that he came, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, moved into the neighborhood. And Jesus, Jesus is the one who builds his church. He takes personal possession of that because he's personally on the move for each of us for our goods. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, my brother-in-law just retired lieutenant colonel in Army Special Forces. And when I once in a while will like, I ask a lot of dumb questions to him, but I think once in a while, like I try to get like strategy questions from him and strategy things from him because, you know, you need to be you need to know the enemy well so that you can get home with all your friends and, and get home to your family and everything. And uh, one of the things for sure is a gate has never conquered anybody. The gates are never on the offense, right? Like, I mean, you never like hear veterans being like, man, we were hunkered down and then all these gates came over the hillside and just decimated us. You know, like that's not the purpose of a gate. A gate keeps things in and keeps other things out, right? So a gate is defensive. A gate is a defensive thing. It's, it's kind of like the front door of your house. Like you're trying to keep your kids inside, and then you're trying to keep raccoons and other things outside, right? Um, if you came home from being gone for a week on vacation and your front door was wide open for a week, you'd be like, oh no, <laughs> this is really bad. Our door has been open. Um, when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, the church, so Jesus is the head of the church. The church is a collection of people, a community of people who have given their lives to Jesus like BJ and Zach are following him. He calls that his church. Church is not a building. The people, the church, meet in a building typically. So the church is here because we're here, uh, not because the gym is here, right? And when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus is in the business of kicking in the doors of hell, kicking down the gates of hell. That is how on the offense Jesus is, that he is on the move in our community. And wherever there are these these strongholds of darkness and being like for generations this will be a dark family or or like we will we will not we will not turn to the light we will not give our lives to Jesus Jesus is like well I have something to say about that as he kicks down those doors I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is not a weak group of people who will hopefully not be too corrupted by the world. Instead, we are a lighthouse shining, and them sharing their stories is shining hopefully into dark places in us 
and, and shining into our community saying, and you know, I, I got the privilege to hear the two and a half version, hour version story of the two and a half hour version of the story of Zach's testimony and all of the details. And then I was just reminded over and over again how sheriff deputies have told us that they consider Collins to be the meth capital of Story County. And here we have Zach saying, even in the meth capital of Story County, um, Jesus has no problem breaking in here and no problem radically changing people. Yes. And so, um, so, so I think, what does this lead us to? So one thing I think it leads us to is a, having a rural vision uh, like a, a vision not just that God does incredible things in, in Ankeny or Des Moines, which he does. There are incredible churches there where he is doing incredible things. But for us to be a people who, who have a rural vision for what Jesus can do on the move uh, here is that a rural vision prays and plans for rural revival. It's like, okay, what if we have 20 Zach and BJ show up? Like, let's pray for that. Let's plan for that, because why would Jesus not do that? Why would he not let changed lives change lives? So for us to pray and to plan for rural revival, another is that having a rural vision of what Jesus could do here, it allows us to delight to be on mission here. A rural vision delights to be on mission here. Look at Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And be like Zach's dad walking in on that, that one day, and it was just like, Man, that is what life is about right there. Being on mission, walking into that place and seeing the Lord do what he does. And, and God allows us to be his plan A for reaching the people that he is on the move for. And we get to be a part of that. Zach's dad got to be a part of, of that story. And, and there's, nothing, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. And so for, for all of us, like, would we each even just grow in our delight of being on mission here? It's like, Lord, really? You've called us to Collins Maxwell, Baxter, Colonesco, West Marshall. Like, you've called us to this community so that we could be on mission here, and we're seeing this with our very eyes. Like, y you, you're, you're flooding us with your generosity. And then, and then third is that a rural vision believes that God does big things in big places and big things in small places. And this is one of the things that I, I met Jesus. I felt like it was really just incredibly radical. Remember where I was uh, when he ripped things out of me. Like I resonated with Zach, what you're saying of just saying like, Jesus ripped this out of my life. And, and he did. And I, I was so gravitated towards like, I want to tell everybody about this. So I need to go to large cities. So we, I lived for many years in Dallas, Texas, Portland, Oregon, Oklahoma City, believing like God is doing huge things in huge places, which he is. But like his resources are not limited. And then realizing, wow, he is also doing big things in small places. 
And why would he not? I mean, of his 12 disciples, most of them were from small towns. As he's, and like for us to, to pray that Iowa would be a place where it's hard to get to hell from Iowa because of all of the people hearing about Jesus, all of the people witnessing what Jesus is doing, and there's no way you could reach Iowa without reaching rural areas. I mean, because that's so much of our state is, is uh, of the 947 cities in Iowa, majority of them are small towns like Collins and Maxwell and Baxter. And so, so being grateful in supporting mission in urban areas in Iowa, but then also looking to Jesus to say, would you do a big thing in a small place? Starting with me. <laughs> with, I'm a small place, you know. I start, starting with me, we, we, starting with each of us, would you do a big thing in us? Uh, then would you do a big thing through us? A big thing in us and a big thing through us. And so like I mentioned before these guys shared, would we leave rejoicing of what God has done in their lives? And would we each say, have your way in my life. Jesus, I am yours. Transform me, change me, that others would be changed around me too as we, as we move towards Jesus. As he says, I am building my church and be like, we are the ones that have the baton. We're the ones alive to be his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And so what we're going to do is commune with him. This was his design giving us communion, to commune with him. It's a beautiful way for us to say, Lord, I'm moving towards you. I'm moving towards what you have for me. And so we have uh, two men who are going to be serving us communion, I believe. Uh, yeah, John and um, who's the other? I think we have one more. Oh, come on down, brother. And so, so what these guys are going to do is they'll have, they'll have plastic gloves on, and they're actually going to tear the bread. And when you walk up, just have your hands out like this and make eye contact with them, and they will say, this is the body of Jesus given for you. And let it be a sacred moment because the body of Jesus is given for you. He did this for each one of us, okay? So, so they'll, they'll place the bread in your hands and then take wine or juice, obey your conscience there. And um, one of the warnings in Scripture is for believers as they come to the table not to come without first letting the Lord search us opening our hearts up to him. And man, if he shows us like some major conflict that we need to resolve, it's okay to abstain today and say, hey, I need to go and make some things right and I will rush to the table next week. If you right now are not a follower of Jesus, I would say don't come to the table, come to Jesus. Give your life to him. Put your trust in him. Believe in him. You will have everlasting life. And then come to the table. And I would love to talk to you about talk with you about that as well. Uh, but let's let's spend some time communing with him. Uh, then let's come. Uh, then w when we come down, if you all want to like come down the center, uh, then we can kind of flow that way. And uh, then take the elements. And uh, then go back to your seats. And uh, then let's stay standing. And uh, then we'll take it all together as family. So let's respond to him.